Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. And uh, thank you, Sarah and Tim, for starting us off today so well in the worship as well. Um, I just want to do a little survey. Those of you who know, came in and went in the hall will realize that we carry out a little survey. We have two chairs there for you to choose which one you think might be the best for the new chapel. If you haven't done that already, go through at the end of the service and uh, Rachel, uh, sorry, Emily will be there. I get it wrong even. In the thing. <laughs> Emily will be there to, uh, to tick the boxes. <laughs> it's a family thing. I get, I get wrong for it all the time. I want to carry out another little survey this morning. I want you to tell me what meat or other thing you had for your Christmas lunch, right? Now, who had turkey here for Christmas? Oh, a lot of you. Good, right. Who had more than turkey? Maybe he's had uh, beef as well, or had beef for Christmas Day? A few people had beef, yeah, good. Hi, anybody here have duck? Christmas Day, no duck? No, why don't you like duck? Too greasy, yeah, that's generally, generally. Anybody here have gammon? Yeah, good, some gammon. Anybody have a nut roast? Tim, Tim, was your nut roast a success? It was, great. it was great. There you go. Anybody here have pork? Uh, oh, not many pork ones. Pork, yeah, you're admitting to it. Yeah? Right, well, can I just tell you, those people who had pork, the day after their Christmas dinner, should have been down in the temple making an offering because they were breaking God's law, right? You might not have thought you were breaking God's law, but you were breaking God's law as it is in the Old Testament. And uh, I got this, Tim very kindly gave me Leviticus to look at, and if you read it, you'll find out God's law. I think, have we got it up there, Sean? Leviticus chapter 11, it's really tasty reading. <laughs> right? We have got it. Right, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to give you a selection of it, right? So Leviticus 11 says this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, Of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a split hoof, completely divided and not choose the cud. There are some that only chew the cud or only have a split hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you to eat. Please, none of you had camel for Christmas Day. There you go. <laughs> um, the corny, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is unclean for you. The rabbit, nobody had rabbits, no? Though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it does have a split hoof, completely divided, does not chew the cud, and it is unclean to you. There you go. Sorry, folks. Susan, that crispy cracknell is not good for you. Right? You must not eat this meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. And so it goes on for the next 40 verses telling you what you can and can't have. But then you get right to verse 43. I think we might, can we jump to 43 somehow or does it just come up there? It says, do not defile yourselves 
by any of these creatures, do not make yourselves unclean by means of them or be made unclean by them. That sounds really strange, doesn't it? And we don't know whether that was because the, uh, of ceremonial, uh, uh, because of uh, bacteria and God's word was there, don't eat the pig because it might be not good for you, or whether it was just simply about people being obedient to what God was saying. Even though we don't always understand the rules he gives us, it's important we're obedient. Verse 44 says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves about on the ground. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. So that was the reason we might not understand exactly why you could have a pig, but you couldn't, you couldn't have a pig, but you could have something else. But the reason God said was, I want you to be holy. And, and this is really a kickback into Genesis chapter 18, where God said to Abraham, seeing that Abraham should surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the, Asian, the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I know him, and he will command his children and his household after him, and they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice, to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken to him. So God had said to Abraham, I'm going to create a nation that will be a great nation, but that nation must be obedient to me. And so when we get to this point in Genesis where we're talking about, um, at this point in Leviticus, we're talking about the people being obedient to God. They had to be obedient to what he said. Now, many of these rules seem unattainable. And, and if you look through Jewish, th uh, as we're going to look through in the next few weeks, if you look at the rules that God says, and, and then the interpretation that the scribes and Pharisees made on them, made on them, it was almost impossible for the people to live a holy life. I mean, there was a rule that said, when you got up your chair on a Sabbath day, you couldn't move your chair across the ground because that would be seen as furrowing and sowing crops and breaking the ground. So that would be like working on the Sabbath. Well, how do you, how do you adhere to all these rules? But you know, for all these rules were there, and people who were asked to be obedient, God in grace and mercy provided a way forward. He could have said, anybody who breaks my rules will be struck down dead. And that sometimes happened. But he could have said that. But no, he said, if you break these rules, there is a way out where you can be stopped and from being, uh, being unclean. You can be made clean again. Provision. We call provision grace these days. It made in the law was made in the law for to, to right the wrong. Um, those of you who are, are, are Old Testament studies will come across this word atonement, a way of making things right that were wrong. Atonement. Every cause of uncleansing that we read about, and we're going to read about in the next few weeks, because we were only looking 
at the things we could eat and couldn't eat. We're going to be looking at, in the next few weeks, things that we can do and not do, people we can come into contact with and can't come into contact with. All of those things had a way to put them right. So where there was an unholy act, there was a way to put that right. There was a ritual. God provided a means by all these ways. And, and that's why we sing the song, Waymaker. I always wondered what Waymaker means. God makes a way. God's always intent on making a way for his people. And in the Old Testament, the way out of sin was to make an offering. So what does this mean for us now? Well, Paul reminded us in Peter, uh, Peter 1, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Who would agree that we were a peculiar people? Yeah, a peculiar people. As Ruth said earlier, some of us are more peculiar than others. And... Um, that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into a marvelous light, which in time past was not a people, but we're now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You and I are set apart, and that's what God's intention was for the children of Israel, to be set apart, to be different. And so to be different, they had to follow different rules to the world's standard. But you know, the things that's changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament is that now something's happened that means we don't have to pay the price. We don't have to go and make a sacrifice every time we do wrong. Because what's happened is Jesus Christ was sent God's waymaker to pay the price of our sin. So that we don't have to go to the temple every morning and make an offering for the things we've done wrong. Doesn't mean we don't still do things wrong, but we have a waymaker who's made a way for us to atone for the sin in our lives. And that's amazing. And it should make us even more appreciative of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Because of Christ, our holiness is already made. His dying on the cross, it was when he said, it is finished. That was finishing our holiness. That made each one of us holy. We still have to work on it because he's done it for us. He's paid the price. So in the New Testament, sin had to be paid for. In, in the Old Testament, sin had to be paid for. In the New Testament, the price was paid for us by Jesus. But then we're called to remember to be holy. So we've got to remember that we are already made holy, but we have to remember to be holy. Does that make sense? We are holy because God's made us holy, but we have to be holy in our lives, and we have to do what he's equipped us to be able to do. And holiness should be every part of our lives. It's about how we live as fathers. It's about how we live as mothers, how we live as children, how we live as citizens, how we live as neighbors. It's about how we treat other people. 
It's about being, are we mourners or are we encouragers? It's about, are we positive people or are we ungrateful people? Are we miserable people or are we happy people? We are called to be holy, not just in church. It's easy to be holy in church because we're around, hopefully, other holy people. But we've got to be holy in our workplace, in our schools, in our leisure time, wherever we are. We are called to be holy. Now, if I was to say to you, we're going to do another survey now, and the person beside you is going to sit with a bit of paper and mark you how holy they think you are out of ten. Right? How many of you would dare to do that? Right? If you were going to mark yourselves, do you think the score would be higher or lower than the other person marks you for being holy? Right? It's a thought, isn't it? Where would you mark yourself? Where would I mark myself? Some mornings I'd mark myself as a zero. Yeah? Other minds I might maybe get, would I ever get more than five? I'm not sure I would. Where would you be? Yet when we look around, there are some people who we would mark really high, wouldn't there? And I've got to say, John, the first time I met John, I've known John for a lot of years now. In fact, I got my first mortgage through John. And uh, that was when we got a good return. The second one I got wasn't so good, was it, John? But I mean, that was uh, different reasons. And, uh, and I remember a friend of mine, a guy called Alan Richardson, took me to John to get a mortgage. He said, go and see John Bates. You'll get a real good deal because he's a lovely guy. Right? And I remember coming out of John's office. Some of you had been there. And, uh, and I came out and I thought, I could never be as nice a Christian as John is. Honestly, I don't want to embarrass you, John, but that's how I felt. And, uh, and, 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 and I thought, and, and this morning I want to relate that to holiness. Do we meet people who are really nice and that we see God shining through them in the way they encourage us and help us and bless us? Um, and that's holiness, isn't it? If we, don't want to, we might not put an exact word holiness on people's niceness, but that's what it is. Being, about being Christian. It's about being sincere, having integrity, caring for other people, loving people, because that loveliness will shine through as holiness in each one of us. And we've got to just think about that this week. I want you to think about it and think, well, what area of my life isn't holy? What, am, what things am I doing that really aren't honoring to God and the good news is if we bring them to God and just say, look, God, I realize this isn't what I should be. Will you forgive me? The forgiveness is there because, as the scripture says, the price has been paid. The price has been paid for that. And we can receive holiness from him. And uh, what I don't want you to do is to go around pointing out other people's unholiness. Because <laughs> that's not healthy <laughs> or generous. Although sometimes we can tell people if they're causing us to stumble, maybe that might be a good thing to do. But let's just think this week about holiness. We're going to be thinking about it for the next few weeks. We're going to look at other areas of holiness. And we're going to look at specifically what we can do to make ourselves more holy. Okay, holiness, there we are. Leave that with you. See if we can get our ratings up.
in the next few weeks, see? And be more holy. Because the reality is, if we want people to be attracted to the church, if we want people to be attracted to Jesus, it hinges on us being the people God wants us to be. Yep. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that you are a way maker, that you've made a way for us to be holy, to be righteous in God's sight. And that when God looks at us, he doesn't look at us, he looks at the righteousness of Jesus. And uh, I pray, Lord, that each one of us will just examine our hearts, examine our lives, and just seek to be more holy, to be holy as Jesus and God are holy, that we may follow him. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. The worship band like to come up.